Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and subscribers. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. If this is your first time joining the show or perhaps you have stumbled across us somehow, well, thank you for joining and welcome. This show is all for sales development reps working in the world of tech sales. And what we love to do is meet these beautiful people from across the globe, find out how do they get into this gig and what tips can they share to help us become happy sellers. And my name is Neil Buyan, your host. So this guest was recommended to me by a lovely lady called Layla. Layla, shouts out and thank you very much. And she was somebody that said she came across our podcast and vidcast and actually shared it with the team. And then I said to her, hey, do you know anybody that might be a good fit for this show? And she said, yeah, I've got this guy that I think you should definitely have on the show. So guest, can you please introduce yourself? Who are you, sir? Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much, Neil, for inviting me onto this podcast. I've seen a few episodes and, you know, really impressed doing a great job with everything you're doing. Um, so for everyone uh, listening, my name is Neelash Prang and I'm an SDR at a SaaS company called Redis. Welcome to the show, fellow podcast content creator, and thank you for the big up and kudos. That means a hell of a lot, sir. Uh, so Neelash, um, where are you based in the world, sir? Yeah, so I, I'm based in London now. I actually just moved there four months ago to London Bridge. So very fortunate for that. It's been an amazing experience. But I've actually just come back home uh, for the weekend in, in Bedfordshire just to spend some time uh, with the family for the weekend. Yeah. I love that. Salute to the firm, Nilesh. Um, and as you mentioned, um, you're currently working at a company called Redis. What, what does Redis do, sir? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to do this in the, the sort of most non-technical way uh, for those listening. And I think it's always good to start with with the challenge that there is for businesses today uh, when it comes to introducing mm. what we do. Um, everybody wants fast access to data today um, as end users, you know, and also businesses, right? You log onto your mobile banking, you want to be able to log on very quickly. You want to send money very quickly. You want to receive money very quickly. This is one use case. Redis makes that happen in real time, very fast to basically just speed up applications uh, because, you know, fast access to data is becoming really important. That's what we do. Spoken like a true sales professional, Neelish. I love that. Thank you very much there. Uh, and outside of, uh, you know, the world of sales, like looking at your LinkedIn, I can see that you speak four languages, you love to travel, you visited 30 countries. What would you like to get up to outside of sales, Neelish? Yeah, so I think outside the sales role, um, I've got my own podcast. So fellow podcaster to podcaster, we know the value that it can bring and the opportunities that can come from it. Uh, that podcast is a personal development podcast called um, The Nurture Network, just enabling people to unlock their potential, etc. Um, and then other things I like to do, traveling, um, very culturally diverse. I come from a very multicultural background with, with my mum being from France and my dad from Mauritius. Um, hence why I speak a few languages nice. and, um, I'm also a dancer. That's probably my favorite pastime. Oh, uh, yeah. So dance and also football. There we go. 
Love that. Love that. Man of many talent. Podcasting, speaking different languages, being able to dance and sports as well. Out of curiosity, what, what sort of dance style do you do, Neelish? Yeah, so mainly uh, street dance, um, you know, hip hop, and then like a little bit of Latin dance as well. So salsa, bachata, you know. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Man's got some rhythm in the hips. I like that. Uh, I used to be a bit of a body popper back in the day, but that's that's Love another that. story. That's another episode. We'll get into that later, dude. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing. So normally at this point, uh, just a general reminder for anybody that's listening to this in their local podcast platform like Apple or Spotify, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe down below. So it's normally at this point in the show, what we love to do is get onto our guest's LinkedIn profile to check it and scope it out. And as a reminder, that their LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Neelesh, you want to you know reach out to him and pick his brain. And equally, if you want to check out his own podcast and show, which is super cool, and again, from content creator to content creator, I love seeing people working in tech sales and doing content creation as well. So salute to you again, Neelesh. But you've got quite a colorful career. And you've, you know, you've had quite a lot of experience. You've been around the beaten track. So you've been a youth ambassador for sport. You've been working at PwC. Um, you've worked at the Boston Consulting Group, Bright Network, NTT, BDM Manager at NetGem. And, you know, most recently, an SDR back at Redis. So, you know, rather than sounding like a boring job interview, Neelish, in your own words, sir, could you tell us how do you get into sales and how do you get up to where you are today, sir? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, um, you know, it's it's one that I sometimes think about still today, to be honest, like I, I imagine lots of salespeople do. Um, you know, a lot of salespeople just say, I just somehow ended up here. Um, and I guess there's an element of that, but I guess it was more of an educated, uh, guessing um, career path, I think, that's brought me to where I am. But, I mean, just to give you some mm. context, I studied international business with Spanish at university. So quite broad. Okay. And in that university experience, that was four years, and I did two years abroad, um, one in Singapore and one in Spain. And nice. it was during that experience that I wanted to, I realized um, that I wanted to kind of do business on a global scale, um, you know, dealing with different cultures, mm. international markets, et cetera. And it was really narrowing down where I thought my skills lied and what I, you know, enjoy doing and being someone who's quite talkative, I enjoy networking uh, and speaking to different types of people, it was really narrowing it down to consulting or sales, okay? Um, mm. And hence, I decided to kind of do a couple of, you know, internships and experiences, for example, at PwC uh, and, and BCG, as you saw on my LinkedIn. And the consulting yeah. internships were interesting, but I think I just... It was a lot of pitch decks and, you know, building presentations, which was <laughs> great, but I think I wanted more. Yeah. Um, and also yeah. someone who's quite money motivated and having grown up, you know, um, in a in a family environment full of salespeople, uh, both my mom, dad, mm. you know, with their with their businesses, you know, okay, I thought sales sales is is a route to go. Um, and that's kind of mm. how I decided to go down. That, down that route really yeah, I love that I love that and there's some things that I want to pick upon uh, within that right so obviously having the opportunity to travel internationally to like Singapore and Spain as well 
And as you said, you're somebody that's interested in seeing different cultures, different people, and obviously understanding the business elements to it. What nuances have you noticed in different businesses in different regions around the world so far, Nilesh? Yeah, it's 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 amazing actually, and um, you'd be surprised how different and similar uh, you know uh, markets can be, uh, particularly in the Asia Pac region or APAC region, and I'm sure a lot mm. of SDRs that work that region, um, you know, will be able to tell you. I mean, not just this market, but even even in Europe, the differences between you know South EMEA, North EMEA, uh, and then the Middle East region. There are just so many differences in terms of the approach that you have to take when trying to connect with these mm. people. Um, you know, the outreach that you need to change. Some people like email, some people like calls, some people think calls are rude. Mm. Um, you know, and so you really have to try and be a be a bit of a detective or try and be in a chameleon, you know, when you're trying to connect mm. different types. Um but cultural differences um, you know, differ vastly um for one I've seen in, in the Asia Pac region when I've worked that region before. Um just a certain etiquette that you have to take. You can't use the same lingo that we use here in the UK to try and speak to someone in yeah. Japan, for example. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting points there. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, like I've had experience of um, working with reps out in APAC. You know, most recently I actually had somebody reach out to me from Singapore on on LinkedIn and this person had actually listened to this podcast and that prompted them to reach out and they wanted a bit of help. Um, so, you know, they're asking about time management, speaking to sea level. They found it quite hard. Um, they're not sure about speaking to their peers because they don't want to seem like they don't know what they're doing within their job. Um, but I've also realized from training reps in APAC, I learned some things where, you know, they may not use the same channels such as us. Like they may not send that first email but they may be using platforms like WeChat. And I was like, oh, and they asked me like, how would you use WeChat? And I was like, I don't know, dude, because I've never used it before, if I'm honest with you. Um, and you know, we were, we were sharing frameworks of, you know, how to compose outbound messages. And they were like, yeah, that wouldn't really work uh, over here. Um, and you know, you had to add in an element of respect to the stakeholders that you're reaching out to, like with the greeting, how you open the message, et cetera. Um, you had to show an element of research. Um, and, you know, like when we're doing role plays of how to do discovery calls, they're like, dude, no, you, you, can't, you can't do that. And I was kind of stumped, but it, it kind of reminded me that it's really good to do research before going out to a new region as well. So I've got like a best mate, Max, uh, who is who, who was born and bred in the UK, account executive, and now he lives out in Singapore, right? And he's working within a consulting firm. And he was like saying, like, we cash up every other day, uh, weird times of the day as well, because obviously it's night and day for us here. But he's just like, man, Neil, just like, it's just a different beast out here, dude. Like, you know, when you're going for networking and things are based on, you know, your financial status and the companies that you're working for and who do you know and all of this sort of stuff. And I was just like, sounds like a dream, man. Like they're living the high life out there and stuff. But my, my question to you for somebody that's been in different countries and worked in sort of different markets if somebody that's listening to this show is thinking about moving to perhaps maybe like APAC or, you know, going to work in a new market, what advice would you give to them before they step into that role in selling 
to somebody they may have never sold to before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's actually something that I'm trying to do uh, at the moment, and I think a lot of uh, people, not just sales reps, uh, but just people in the job market, are trying to do because, especially for you know young talent out there, the UK is quite a. You can see that there are more appealing places in the world sometimes, um, but the advice I would give really <laughs> is already start. I mean. I know it may sound cliche and generic, but research is key. You know, it's very easy to mm. say that you want to go and move somewhere. I've, the amount of times I've heard people say, oh, yeah, I'd love to go and move to Dubai or Singapore. The money's so much better out there. But okay, what are you doing mm. to make that happen? Um, really spend time researching and defining some steps to get you there. Um, you know, invest that time and make a list of the things that you need to do. That's probably mm. the first first step. The second thing is, you know, define define your route there in terms of are you going to just leave your job and go or is the best way mm. you're trying to get there through the company? Do you want your, does your company have an office out there, right? And start building the relationships within your company to see if that's a possibility, you know, there are ways that you can take shortcuts, um, but shortcuts that require initial work, right? So essentially building that relationship with your company, finding the right stakeholders in that company that are going to help you get there, you know, voice your interest in mm. doing a placement there or something. And then the other thing yeah. is, you know, we have LinkedIn today. Um, you can very easily identify, you know, people in the place where you want to go connect with them, mm. you know, start applying for, for jobs out of curiosity. You know, you might not get them straight away, but learn the process of, of what's required. Yeah. You know, the, these are some, I think just actioning those things and making things happen is going to get you closer to that goal rather than just saying it, uh, you know, um, all the time, but not actually doing anything to, to, to get there. So you have to manifest that by doing these these kinds of actions. 100% agree, dude. It's all good and fair talking about it, but you actually have to take action and put things out there. It's not just going to come to you, right? So uh, I like those points where, you know, speaking to senior stakeholders that perhaps have sold in those regions or, you know, have lived out there, have worked out there. What was that experience of, you know, migrating from one place to another? What did you go through? Because... You know, I've worked with a lot of SDRs that have, you know, like you still live in the UK and then they moved out to Amsterdam. And I remember I was hiring this one rep and they had to think about taxation, law, passports, visas, the whole works, right? And I was I was educated to like, wow, okay. It's not as easy as just like up sticks and moving as well. Um, and I like that other point of, you know, going out there, working there for a little bit as well. So this could be like a, a try before you buy. And I've seen it with a lot of startups where there's an opportunity for a rep to go out to HQ when HQ is in another company. So I remember in my early days working for a startup that one of the offices was in London, but our headquarters was in California. I went out to Cali like 12 times in one year. And I really, at first when I went out there, I was like, wow, I'm in Silicon Valley. This is so cool. But by the 12th time, I was like, dude, yeah, I couldn't do this, right? And it gave me a taste because I did think at one point I was going to move out to the States. But, you know, truth be told, it didn't happen. And I'm actually grateful I didn't. Uh, nothing against the US, but just that place wasn't for me and that type of lifestyle. Um, and the other piece that you said, you know, like um, going to different countries, finding out your passions, finding out your skills. 
I think this is a question that a lot of people may struggle with. What is it that they want to do based on the things that they love doing, right? And akin to a Japanese style of igakai, finding your passion to help you with your vocation and profession and stuff like that. You said, you know, you liked networking, you liked uh, different cultures, etc. like that. How were you able to marry up in your head of, all right, this is what Neelash likes doing and then applying it to sales. How did you come to that conclusion, Neelash? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I, I try not to, I used to overthink this a lot, um, but then very much it was trying to narrow it down to, you know, black and white and really identifying what you like to do or what you, what you are like as a person personally mm. and then finding yep. or aligning your passions your interests with you know something professionally you know i'm someone that i i very i identified very early on um during university that okay i need to translate my personality traits someone who likes networking someone who likes speaking mm. public speaking building relationships um traveling Okay, and by identifying these five things, for example, then I start looking at the professions that, that offer these types of things. And immediately, it doesn't take, uh, you know, a rocket scientist to realize that, you know, sales could be a good fit for me with these things. There's an opportunity mm. to build relationships, network, speak to people, connect, travel, um, and make good money doing it. Um, so... That's what I would recommend to people trying to realize, you know, uh, or trying to identify the career path they're trying to choose. Um, and that that's 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 really the process that I went through, if that makes sense. I hope that answered mm. your question. Yes, it does. It does. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> it can be the most surprising skills that then can take us to where we end up, you know, in terms of what we do in work. So thinking back, to, I was saying this to somebody the other day, I was like, one thing that my school teachers always used to say to me was, Neil, you talk too much. I was that guy in class that wouldn't shut up and was always told off and say, Shh, Neil, like pay attention, right? Um, another thing that I used to love doing when I was younger, uh, so my mum's uh, an Asian classical singer and I used to go on tour and road with her. And as a young kid, uh, I used to be her warm up. For some weird reason, Neil was really obsessed with Michael Jackson um, and I would do little Michael Jackson dance before my mum was singing in front of people in a crowd and audience at concerts. Um, and I'll get to the point of where, where this is going in a moment. Uh, but the other thing was, you know, I loved art and I love creating pictures. And I also used to, for some reason, get lost in MS-DOS way back in the day. I just used to play in MS-DOS with my dad's IBM 486 computer because we couldn't really afford like a SNES or anything like that, like my mates had. And that's why I had fun. So what I'm saying is with the idea of talking too much, I run a podcast show now. So that helps me with that. Yeah. In terms of like performing on a stage um, outside of sales, I'm an MC and rapper and I've performed in nightclubs and, you know, places wow. around the world. Um, in terms of creating like nice imagery, I love creating content for like YouTube and social clips and stuff like that. And I really like adding the graphics and like even with this whole show, like, the intro and the outro for this podcast and video. I did this on like Canva, mm. just learning on YouTube and videos and then creating it and then sitting back and said, yeah, that looks pretty cool. But nobody knows how long it freaking took hours to do that stuff. 
uh, and I loved it. And in terms of like sales, I always had this fear that I would never be good enough in this job, right? Um, because I kept comparing myself to other people that I saw as top billers and top people. I was like, how the hell do you get to that? But my curiosity, like asking people, this is why I love interviewing people because I want to learn about how they did what they did to see if I can emulate those things or take things from that. And then you mesh it all together and then I kind of do what I do today. But, you know, look at the things that bring you energy and joy, things that you can, you're can you passionate about and then see if you can apply those things regardless of pretty much what job or role you're having. But an SEO is a good place to start that because, you know, you are a content. I'm seeing certain, and we're going to come on to this in a minute with your own podcast as well, um, but like creating content, um, having conversations with people, networking like a sales professional, you know, um, getting techie on how does your platform integrate with their CRM and what does the API look like and getting geeked out on that stuff, you know? Like, the, these are things that you do get to practice. It's not just about closing business and making revenue. There's so much more to it, right? Um, but there was also an interesting point that I want to ask, which is something I've never experienced, but you have. Being an intern in a huge consulting firm, like the likes of PwC, like those are the big boys, Right? What and you said like you were creating presentations and you kind of realized okay this isn't where you know where I want to end up and that's kind of why I went to sales. But what was it like being an intern in like one of those consulting houses? Yeah, I think you know these opportunities are opportunities that people crave for, especially business students. And you know, mm. I was fortunate enough to do like a discovery uh, month there, and. um I have to say it was it was a really interesting experience and what it actually made me realize is you know a lot of people the reason why I applied for that role uh, or for these types of companies was the, the prestige that's associated with yeah. the big four you know yeah um a lot of people do this with investment banking as well it sounds cool to go to a party and say I'm an investment banker at JP Morgan or I'm a cons I'm a medical <laughs> consultant at PwC and whilst I yeah. was there you know don't get me wrong it was a fantastic experience you know as, as a young student you learn mm. a lot but I realized that you know I think my I confused you know my my interests with the prestige of the brand and it's a great you know, name to have you on, on your CV, which is fantastic, but it's not actually what I wanted to do. Um, mm. But it's now that I actually realize in that experience that to be a successful seller, SDR, AE, whichever role you have in a sales organization, is that you have to be a consultant today. You know, you have to have a mm. consultative, especially for, let's say, field strategic you know enterprise sales you're, you're not you're not just a seller you know you are a consultant um and so that's why i i tend to call i introduce myself as a as a sales consultant because i am mm -hmm. you know helping you solve a problem identifying you know, i am consulting you I'm, I'm i'm advising on on the best way to resolve yeah. a solution you know i'm not doing it to just you know force a product down your throat it's is this product the right fit? You know, what are the requirements? How do we scope this? So selling has, has very much changed, this, uh, you know, in, in in this space, especially SaaS, because there are so many vendors, very good mm. solutions out there that you really need to be able to to, to change your approach. Um, 
to sales. So that's why, you know, people need to also change their perception of the salesperson just being the guy calling you on the phone. You know, it's a lot more. Yeah. It's a lot more than than just that. hundred uh, percent. Like consultative selling, um, I was talking about this in a class that I was training yesterday. Like there are different sales, like I won't call them methodologies, but approaches, right? So um, solution selling is just like, this is what this product does in the tin. This is how it's going to help you do X, one, Z. This is how much it costs. Here's a solution. That to me is solution selling. Uh, you know, a solution to a problem that you may have had. Consultative selling is, you know, somebody approaches you with requirements. They're trying to achieve something. They're also looking around the market as to what could help me with that thing. And the other person or the seller uh, should be able to provide them insights, not just only on the product, but what's going on in the market. What are other people like them doing? What are other questions being asked? Like what are the other challenges people are also coming across and how are they overcoming that? And being able to say, as a consultant, you know, you've got a couple of options. This is what you could do. This is what you could use. Perhaps you maybe you need to go speak to them before you come back to us. You need to go do your homework, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, right? Um, and then the other side of it that I was saying to this class was um, customer-centric selling. It's understanding that as soon as the customer uh, purchases from you, the relationship doesn't stop there. It goes on. Mm-hmm. where it goes on to customer success, where that organization is there to help the customer grow, but also apply not only the software, but the best practices of that business, working with those type of stakeholders and personas. Mm-hmm. And then it's helping them, you know, measure adoption and usage and, you know, helping them become sticky with the product, but achieve great things. And then, you know, expanding that software within to their organization so other business units can benefit from that as well globally mm-hmm. right so what i was kind of saying to the scrs is yeah you book the demo and then the demo happens they buy that's not the end of it there is so much more to it and to really be a consultative seller i found was not only being an SDR to book meetings but i'd regularly go chat to customer success to go ask them why do people renew with us you know, what are the main use cases of our solution and our tool? And what do people go gaga over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, why do people churn, you know? And mm-hmm. because that was a big thing for me, because I wanted to know, okay, so why would they not benefit from using this on a long-term basis? Because if I could get that sort of stuff and insights, when I was an SDR and a prospect came to me and said, hey, we're trying to do this, what would you recommend? Rather than just saying, hey, take product A and it's going to solve every problem in the world. These are some things that you should think about that I'm hearing from people that I'm speaking to as well. Mm-hmm. So 100% agree, dude. Um, and the other piece that I wanted to touch upon was, we, we spoke about this before coming on the recording today, mm-hmm. was you took a bit of a different career path mm-hmm. where some people may question, Neelesh, why, why, why did you do that? Would you mind... A, telling us what was that change and then also giving us the context behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very high level. You know, I, I started off when I started my corporate career as it, uh, it was at a, it was as a, as a graduate sales consultant at uh, a large Japanese IT consulting company, NTD. And I mean, I was practically, mm. you know, doing inside sales and that was originally an 18 month program. And I actually got promoted uh, within nine months to an account manager, account executive, to a closer, basically. Um, nice. 
and you know now i'm i'm back at the the sdr level um or should i say back mm. you know, should i say back at the sdr level yeah so the the switch was you know going from a closer you know to an sdr again and you know this this quite i get asked this question a lot uh because it's perceived as a, a step backwards um but i can assure you guys that it's not i'm still earning more money as an sdr my salary's gone up uh, but i'm happy mm. to to give give some some context around you know why that, that perception should change so personally for me yes i was doing well as uh, a graduate sales or inside sales inside sales rep at ntt when i first started off my sales career hence i got uh, promoted into that uh, closing uh, position as a client or account manager um and that happened very fast actually to be honest and maybe too fast mm. because it was also circumstantial you know i did good work but the business needed someone to cover you know um several accounts and i was doing well so they they put me there um and i felt like i didn't actually have the opportunity to hone in on my skills as you know uh, a pipeline generator um and to be honest ntt was a lot of order taking for me so not focusing a lot on net new um mm. i then moved to netgem where i was a full 360 you know um finding the leads prospecting and, and then to closing and that's when I realized that, you know, I had to get better at the, the lead generation side um, of things. So I really wanted to become a strong, strong, you know, uh, business development professional, because that would help me later on in my career. Because the most, when I have conversations with AEs today, the most successful AEs I see, especially in the SaaS space, are people who are able mm. to generate their own leads and generate their own pipe and not rely on farming. Yep. Um, you know, especially for a, joining a company like Redis where we pre-IPO, you know, we're at a stage where we're really trying to grow ourselves in the market. I guess it it differs you yep. know, on the type of company you're joining, but this is the space I'm in now. Um, so I decided to take a role um, as an SDR at Redis. Um, and like I say, I'm... I still progressed in my career from a remuneration point of view, but on the CV, it always looks mm. like you are an AE and now you're an SDR. Why? Um, mm. And I always explain that actually, you know, being an SDR today shouldn't be perceived as a junior position. It's not. Being an SDR, no. I, I genuinely, I genuinely feel, and it's not just me being biased. SDRs get paid good money today because no one wants to do the job. It's a lot of grunt work, um, you know, on yeah. the surface. I mean, you may have seen the meme or the picture on on LinkedIn or Instagram. You know, it's this iceberg, right? Top of the iceberg that's above the sea is like making cold calls, yeah. reporting, you know, uh, booking meetings. But beneath, you know, it's like you have to be a detective, chameleon, research, you know, building decks, presenting, all of these skills that are required to actually just to be able to start a conversation, um, you know, is what we need to do. And a lot of people underestimate the role of, of, of what an SDR is. 
Um, so I think mm. people really need to try and change their perception of, you know, SDR being a, a junior role. It's not, you have people, I know people that have stayed SDRs their whole careers because they're very good at business development and an organization always needs new pipe. Um, so yep. that's the reason, you know, I am where I am today. I do aspire to go back to, you know, that's on the cards to become a closer again. That's ultimately where I, I want to be, but really mm. becoming and honing on, on that skill as a strong SDR, you'll never, you'll never struggle to find another job because I feel like it's genuinely one of the toughest things you can do. So you've, if you can get through that period and allow that time to pass and not rush the process, you know, it's, it's going to be key. And I always see a lot of people that, that do progress quickly, um, think that they're ready for the AE role. And when they have a quote mm. to their head and they're in their forecasting calls, <laughs> their QBR, yeah. and they haven't dealt with that pressure before, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different ball game. Yeah. It is a completely different beast. And a, a lot of respect for you, um, saying that where you know an sdr isn't just about booking meetings and like trying to you know book demos etc like that because it is a hell of a heap more than that right um and i've you know i coach a lot of people that they've you know they've been in the sdr gig for about three or four months and they're really banking on that promotion to a by nine months um yeah. now you know i've been coaching them and now that stuff is becoming a little bit of a reality. They said, oh, Neil, in two months, I'm going to become an AE. And I'm like, and they're like, I'm actually shitting bricks. And I'm like, yeah, I was as well, you know? Uh, and they're like, so what things have I got to expect? And I was just like, I even kind of like planted the seed earlier on, just saying like, look, go get the job description of that AE role and ask yourself the realistic question of what can you do today based in your current role? And what is the stuff that you don't know? And a lot of them then come to the realization, dang, there's a lot to that I can't do. So I'm like, go shadow people that are doing it then, right? Go get a taste of what that life is going to be like, like QBRs, pipeline reviews, deal inspections with your VP where, you know, if you don't, it like, as an SDI, if you miss target, it's forgivable, you know? It's more, um, they're more lenient, right? But when you're an AE and you don't hit target, dude, you're out, right? It's as simple as that. So, you know, there are some pressures that come with it. But, you know, I can relate to your story because... I think when I was working at Zora, I was at an SD, I was an SDR manager, right, for a team for about eleven to fifteen reps, and we got to like Series F. And when I went and go and joined another startup thereafter, uh, Showpad, I was an SDR for the first six months. And for me, I took a big pay cut, right, from being a manager going back to an individual SDR. But the way that I looked at it was, you know, my ego was hit a little bit. But in my head, I was kind of saying, I'm not here to prove it to anyone, but I want to prove to myself that I can do this SDR thing in a completely new company, in a completely new different market for another startup and see, can you really walk the walk? Right? That's, that's what I wanted to do. And then I got promoted to that AE role. And as most people know, I did it and I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. It didn't bring me that joy or energy. Um, and I've met other people where they've aspired to go into leadership. And they've become the SDR manager and they realized, dang, there was a lot of things that I didn't realize, like people management, different personalities, underperformers, top performers wanting to be, you know, uh, promoted ASAP, um, people leaving, you know, and like having to deal with like being a manager, being a therapist to their team. 
And, you know, they come to the realization it's not about rushing, but trying to pick up as many skills in the time that you're given before you make that jump, you know? Um, and similar to yourself, like you really want to hone in these skills. Yeah. When you went then when you go back into that closing role, you know you're gonna to be top on the mark, mate. You're you're gonna be really ready for it. And I even like saying this out loud now, I even think about this when um you know, after being a CSM, I launched Happy Selling. I had mm-hmm. to be an SDR again for my own business. I had to go generate my own pipe. Yeah. I had to find customers that were willing to meet a guy and be trained by a guy that had never had his own business for like any years compared to like big dogs like Winning by design, Sandler, and all this. I had to compete against those sort of people. Yeah. Um, and then generating pipe, and then you know, I had to learn how to close deals. And dude, in the early days with Happy Selling, like when I look at my old proposals and I watch some of my recordings, like dude, what the hell were you doing, man? You were so green. Like <laughs> you undersold yourself. You just gave them every freaking discount that you could because you really just wanted to win the business. But back then, I had to go through that and learn. And it's only now, in hindsight, I can look back. And so I'm grateful that I went through that because then it's got to me to where I am today, right? Um, and kind of one of the other topics that I wanted to pick up with you, Neelish, is something I'm so, so happy to see with a lot of SDRs doing, which is around content creation, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, the likes of yourself with your own podcast and show, uh, the likes of Tom uh, Boston doing his stuff as a sales loft evangelist and doing his show and his TikToks and all of that. So if we go back 10, 15 years, right, as an SDR, you worked at a company on LinkedIn. You didn't really post much about your personal development or life. You spoke about your prospects and their world and your product and your solution. You were just trying to be a billboard for your company. And a lot of people have now understood, and companies also, when they're hiring, they're looking for people's personal brands. So to cut a long story short, I'm just super excited. And as a content creator myself, when I'm seeing SDRs posting out their own shows, their own memes, their own podcasts, their own like ebooks, like this stuff gets me so happy, right? Because SDRs back when I was doing it weren't doing that. And even AEs weren't doing that. It was the company founders or the C level people that were always doing that sort of thought leadership. But now we're meeting people like yourself that are thought leaders. So I just wanted to know how did you get into the idea of creating content yourself? What what was the story there like creating your own show, dude? Yeah, I think you know it, it's funny. Um, creating my own content came from a place of you know just um, wanting to share my passions and interests uh, with people, and also kind of make. I know it, it might sound cringy, but the initial idea was just to make people make people smile. You know, uh, make people smile mm. and just enjoy watching something different and my first piece of content creation was actually dance videos that's how i started off um on instagram nice because you know i had an interest in dance (laughs) and you know i started you know making videos and 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 posting that and then when it comes to more of the you know in the latter stages when i'm you know starting at university and then my career you realize that doing the stuff that worked 10 years ago as an SDR mm. um it's you can still you'll get results but i think that whole personal brand piece and the power of social media today it's for mm. me personally like i know it's not everybody's cup of tea but i think it makes a huge 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 difference to your job prospects 
uh, and career prospects in terms of connecting with new people. Mm. Um, the podcast has been, you know, a way for recruiters to like target me or a, <laughs> you know, or a, a point of conversation with prospects. You know, I think when people, people don't like to be sold to today, uh, you know, with, you know, just a product. If I, if I DM someone and just say, hey, I'm, a, I'm an SDR at Redis, we do this, we do that. And they look at my profile and it's the most boring thing ever. You know, they're, they're not mm. going to, there's a lot less chance. I mean, it depends on the persona you're trying to target, but I think it's, yeah. it, it's all the way I see it is. The brand I'm building today is for the leaders like of the future who are similar age to myself and who are going to connect with me later on down the line. You know, future CEOs are going to be people who have lived, you know, throughout this period. Um, and yeah. so I'm already sort of putting my roots in now to connect with those leaders um, so that, you know, I'm kind of growing with them um, in the same way. Um, so yeah, I think wh when you're able to, I mean, the, starting the podcast has, and posting content on LinkedIn and, and being active there for sure has, you know, actually pro I would, I would say it's changed my, it's changed my career life for sure. I've never had to actually, if I think about it, I haven't had to like apply directly online with a CV. Um, it's mm. been it's been through because of a piece of content I've posted on LinkedIn and recruiters reached out or I've been proactive and reached out and that they're the kind of opportunities that can arise, you know, from this and, and content creation. And yeah. there's brilliant ones out there today. hundred percent agree, dude. Like, um, I, I had a funny, uh, I was reviewing like a, a meeting internally for the company that I'm working with at the minute with my sales coach. And basically what happens is our head of support, when a new prospect comes in, predominantly SDRs that are looking for one-to-one -one coaching, he'll show them like a deck of all the coaches that are available and then that person can pick their coach. And this person, like my face was presented and John, bless him, said like, Neil might be a really good fit for you. And then this guy said, I've heard that name a lot. Or I don't know him personally, but I think I've seen a lot of his content on LinkedIn from other people in my network, etc. And, you know, he's got his own podcast and he feels like the sort of person that I could relate to. And I'd like to pick him as a coach. Now, dude, when I heard that call back, it warmed my heart. Mm. And there's a, a term that I've heard, which is dark social. Have you heard of the, the term dark social before? I haven't, actually. Yeah. Okay. So here's some education. With dark social, and again, I'm not the expert on this, but this is my understanding of it. Dark social is where people come across your content or your brand or your information when they have not directly connected with you or reached out to you, but mm -hmm. have heard it from third parties. So a lot of companies, let's just say, for example, right, you've got some guy working in data based out in Texas, and he's chatting to a mate at a bar, and that guy says, yeah, do you know what? You should look at this company called Redis. So Redis has not directly reached out to him with ads or emails or anything like that, but it's come through a third party, like word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the power of content. And equally, like when this lady from Singapore reached out to me, 
she said, hey, I came across your episode where, you know, I heard about your journey going to SDRing and it was really inspiring. I'm going through the same thing. Never met the woman in my life. But it brings in people. And I was kind of saying this on my Instagram story the other day. I said, dude, if I had not recorded that episode two and a half years ago, episode number one, that conversation with DM would have never have happened. So you're kind of planting these seeds, right? And to your point, um, I wouldn't say it's got me any jobs, but it has got me sponsorship. It's got me opportunities. Like I'm talking at an event in Berlin, Germany next year with like 500 other salespeople. And they're allowing me to grab, get on the stage and perform as an MC with the DJs on the after party, which is freaking awesome. Because I've always amazing. wanted to marry my passion of music and sales together. So it's now manifesting. It's happening. Um, but yeah, it, like the power of content is amazing. So this is why I'm really excited to see people such as yourself coming up with this content and posting so what i'm saying to you Nilesh, is don't stop keep going dude but i think you can also understand and respect that it's like a full-time job in itself like when you're doing your role in your company and doing this it is not just like overnight stuff it takes hours to get this stuff out there right absolutely yeah it's uh, um yeah just to add i mean with that i've, I've definitely felt it this quarter so I took a, I wouldn't say I took a, a bit of a pause on podcast and reevaluated, you know, some things and I'm still doing it, but I focused in on, on the job and it's, it's always like a catch 22 situation. Like sometimes you have to prioritize this, sometimes you have to prioritize this and I'm still mastering that skill, yep. but uh, the key is to yeah. still try. And as long as you're pushing content out there, you know, whether it's whether it's just weekly, monthly, daily to start off with, you know, it, it's okay. Uh, but yeah, just 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 create is is my advice. Hundred percent, dude. And you know, nearly doing this thing for three years, I'm still learning about the balance, right? Because there have been moments where we've taken you know breaks from this show and posting content. We maybe take two or three months out. And that could be related to personal circumstances with workers now full on I'm doing training or, you know, I'm hunting for new clients. Um, and, you know, equally, I've had people help create content with this show and I've had to let them go as well because of finances. I can't, you know, justify it because I yeah. have to pay for other things, my bills and my kid and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, but also with this power of content here's kind of like a, a bit of transparency for yourself and for the audience out there. One of the reasons that I put out this content is not just to help other SDRs, right? I want, to your point, the future leaders are people that are going to be listening to the show in years to come. But I also have my son, um, and I know that I'm not going to be around forever because the reality of life is we all die. That's mm. the one thing we cannot escape. Mm. But what I'm trying to do, and this sounds really weird, I'm trying to create a meta legacy so that when dad is gone, my boy's got something to listen back to where dad is still online and he's available and he can listen to the conversations I've had with other people. So when he has questions in his life, mm. hopefully he can find something. So Blake, if you're watching this and daddy's not here, love you lots. And this is why we're doing it for you as well. So yeah, the power of content, man, it, it can uh, really connect people out there and help inspire people. But uh, this has been a wicked episode, dude. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for coming on board. Uh, so the question I want to ask you, Nilesh, is what three bits of advice would you give to the younger version of Neela? She's just about to embark on a similar journey to yourself today. Good question. Good question. I think the first piece of advice, and again, might sound cliche and generic, is just uh, trust that you are making progress. Um, slow, 
progress is still progress. Okay. The second piece of advice is don't be afraid to try new things, whether you have to sidestep like I did, you know, uh, to realize what can happen. And then the last step of advice, um, is actually, you know, really powerful quote. My favorite quote is, you know, um, if you're not willing to look like a foolish beginner, you will never become a graceful master. Okay. So, I mean, it links with the first two, um, it links with the first two in that essence, but you know, you need to be able to, you know, you're not going to be perfect at something right away. Learn it, mm. you know, make mistakes. So it's a, it's a, it's a fancy way of saying make mistakes, right? Or practice makes perfect. Yeah. But so it, it's, it's a quote that's stuck with me more, um, because, you know, I think it's a, it's quite a powerful, powerful few words that can really resonate with someone. So those are the three, three pieces of advice I'd give to my younger self. I love that solid bits of advice. And are there any shout outs that you'd like to give today, Neelash? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Layla for actually, you know, um, you know, giving me this opportunity and connecting with you and talk about the dark, the dark social. I think the way she found you was she had this whole, she, she always saw a lot of American, uh, you know, SDR coaches and she wanted more like kind of UK based and she used chat GPT mm. to find out some of the top, you know, um, uh, SDR coaches and SDR thought leaders out there and you're one of the names and that's how she kind of, you know, oh. discovered your podcast. So shout out to you as well for providing me, you know, with, with this opportunity. Uh, it's been fantastic to, to speak to you and a fellow podcaster and sales, uh, sales leader as well. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Truly humble dude. Thank you so much. And yeah, shout out to Nilesh. Um, uh, and to Layla as well, and to ChatGPT. Like, where I remember, like receiving a DM when she said, "Yeah, I was, I was searching ChatGPT." I was like, "Really? I'm on that? <laughs> cool." So you've made my day, Neil. You've boosted my ego and confidence. So I appreciate you wholeheartedly, dude. Um, and as a general reminder and a big thank you to our listeners, watchers and fans today, uh, if you would like to connect with Neil uh, his LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes along with his own show. Highly recommend go checking that out, commenting, subscribing, liking, and becoming a fan of that show because we need to help our fellow content creators out there as well. Uh, and if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating. You can send us a message on podcasts as well. So look in the show notes and type a message for us. Any questions for Neelesh? And equally on YouTube, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, and share with your network so we can share Neelesh's chapter with many other SDRs out there for the future and future leaders as well. But Nilesh, it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure to, to meet you, sir. I hope you have a great weekend with the fam. And most importantly, sir, happy selling. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps. So please like, comment and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR disco call one word at bcast which is b-c-a-s-t dot email and you'll be added to our mailing list we're also on the lookout for new guests so if you work in the world of sales development as an sdr bdr mdr or adr and feel that you have an important message or story to share feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board